0: seems like today that uh, morning came an hour earlier and so uh, I'm hoping, my hope is that we're going to get to see somebody or a few people walk in right at the end of the service. It's always my, my, my favorite things. Uh, today we are continuing our uh, sermon series, Rumors. And we are just simply talking about, uh, over the next month, we're talking about a lot of rumors that people have you know, there's a whole lot of different rumors out there, but, but can, we're today we're, our focus on rumors is going to be rumors that are found within the church, you know, within, within our faith. And last week we talked about one of the rumors, and that is the rumor that we don't have to worry about anything because everybody's going to go to heaven, everybody's going to be just fine. But what we did is we looked into the Bible, and what we discover as we look into the Bible is that there's only one way for a person to come into a relationship with God, and that is through Jesus Christ. Now, today the rumor we're going to be looking at is a rumor that is, it is, a, it is a hot topic, it's one that's been around for a long time, and that rumor is that we are to never judge anyone. I mean, that is not something that we are ever supposed to do. Um, and we're going to talk about that in just a few moments, but I, I saw an interesting story about Willie Nelson, uh, the great country music singer. At one time, he apparently owned a golf course. And he was, on a, uh, he was on a golf cart with one of his friends, and they were going down this hole, and he said, this hole right here, he said, this is a par 47. He said, yesterday, I birdied it. Now, that is a great thing about, like, when you own your own golf course, one thing you get to do is you get to determine what par is. Now, I think there are some of us in life, or I know this, there are many of us in life who believe that we get to determine what par is concerning life we get to determine what is right and we get to determine what is wrong and I know from my perspective I mean that sounds really good and the reason why is because if I get to do that then that means that I'm never wrong it means that I'm always going to be right and if you don't follow my ways and that means that you're going to be the person who is wrong now that sounds good but the unfortunate thing to discover is that we don't get to determine what par is in life. God does. God is the one who determines what the standards of life are to be. And if we step outside of what God's directives are, then, then what we discover is that we have, in, in golf speak, is we have made a bogey. Um, and that sounds like a, that's a nicer term than what the Bible calls it, the Bible calls it sin. And the word sin in the New Testament is where we get the word, it's where it, it means literally to miss the mark. And it's a picture of an archer shooting at a target, and he misses the target. Now, what we like to do is we like to say, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's a bunch of different targets out there, and surely you're going to hit one of them. So while it might not be right for me, well, it could be right for you. But the Bible says there's only one target, and that target is the target that God has set for man in life that he desires for him to go after and he says and when you miss my target he says it's then that you have sinned but that's not the present worldview today worldview today says you get to choose what your target is the worldview today says you get to determine what right and wrong is and to be honest with you that that kind of viewpoint in some ways i mean it is attractive attractive because it means that I don't ever appear, you know, judgmental. Uh, it, it makes it attractive because I don't ever have to confront anybody. And so we can just let everybody, you know, we live and let live and it doesn't matter because everybody's going to be right. You know, and as I was growing up, the most popular verse in the Bible when I was growing up was John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. If you grew up in the church, you know this verse. Most popular verse. You know what the most popular verse in scripture is now? It's Matthew 7, 1, where G- Jesus said, Judge not, lest you be judged. And so you look at that and you think, Well, maybe it's right. Maybe we're not supposed to judge anybody. I mean, there is that verse there, Matthew 7, 1. And so the question I have for myself today, though, Is, is, that, is that true? Does that, is that what Jesus was talking about? And I think the best way to find out what the Bible has to say concerning the conversation of judging is to look into the Bible and just very simply see what it says. And today in the passage of Scripture, we're going to be looking through, and if you'd like to turn there, we're going to be looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, We're going to look in verse number 9 in just a few moments. But in our Scripture today, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth about a behavioral behavioral issue that needed to be dealt with in the church so there's something that needs to be dealt with and the people in the church they didn't want to deal with it they were living by the the rumor we're not supposed to judge anyone and so they were allowing this thing in their church to persist and Paul said it's time to step up to the plate and do something about this now that idea is not too attractive to us because You know, we live in a time where, you know, where privacy, the whole idea of privacy is something very important. And so somebody comes into my space and talks to me about a private issue, I'm thinking, hey, listen, what you're talking to me about is none of your business, or is it? So that's sort of the question today. Now, y'all, when we talk about the whole idea of judging, this is like, and because a lot of people look at the church and go, yeah, that's all those guys do. I mean, they're like judging machines. I mean, if the church is known for anything, man, we know one thing they're going to do is they're going to be judging. Okay, now, that, if you have that thought in your mind, I'm hoping that when you leave here today, that you don't leave here with that same idea, like we're all a bunch of Judge Roy Beans in here. And we're waiting to drop the hammer and the gavel on people. I just want us to look and see what the Bible says and quit dealing with rumors, but let's just deal with what God's Word has to say. And so I'm hoping y'all going to hang in here with me, because if you don't, there might be some of you that are going to stand up and you're going to leave, and I'll be here by myself. So y'all just bear with me, and let's just see what Scripture has to say. Now this letter was written to the church in Corinth, which the hint is 1 Corinthians, so you probably go, no kidding. So it's written to the church in Corinth. Paul helped start this church. Uh, now the, the city of Corinth is in, in, in modern-day Greece now, and uh, it, was, it was a cool town, actually. Um, if you read about Corinth, it was, a, it was a sports city. I mean, today we would say, you know, it was a pro sports town. They hosted uh, these games that were very well known back then called the Isthmian Games, very much like the Olympics. Paul, through 1 Corinthians, uses a lot of sporting analogies because he knew, hey, when you speak sports, he goes, these are the people who are going to understand what I'm talking about. And so I like 1 Corinthians. because He talks about boxing and and racing, and track, all these different things. So it was a sporting town, but it was also a very immoral town. Uh, in this town, it had the temple of Aphrodite in this town. Uh, now Aphrodite was the, does anybody know who, she, she was the goddess of what? Anybody know? The goddess of love. Okay, so some of you who knew that, you're a bunch of pagans. So they the goddess of love. So there's a huge temple that's right there in Corinth. Now at this temple, there were a thousand temple prostitutes okay just to let you know for morality's sake not good right a thousand temple prostitutes so immorality was rampant in this town sexual immorality was rampant in this town and it was even rampant in the church I mean that is that's a no-go now, we find out what Paul is addressing earlier in chapter 5. I'm not going to be reading this part. But there was a guy that was in the Corinthian church who was involved in a relationship with his stepmother. Okay, weird. Okay, is that, is that do we just automatically know that ain't right? Would y'all all say that? Who are y'all to judge? Ha, <laughs> ha, Okay, so baby, there's something weird about that though, right? So we know that. Something gross about that. Now, what was interesting is this guy's still involved in the church. He's still practicing with everybody. He's, hey, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm one of you guys. And the church was living up to the rumor, we are not to judge anyone. And Paul said, that is crazy talk. He didn't really say that, but that's what he indicates here. He said, you've got to deal with this issue. How do you deal with it? and he speaks of judging in the text we're going to be looking at today. So that whole that's the whole background here and I it causes me to ask questions about judging because that's a rumor. Nobody's to judge anybody. And so I have some questions about judging that I and that you might have as well and that we see these addressed in our text today. Okay, very first question I have about judging is this. Do I, do I, do you have a right to judge? Do you have a right to judge? Well, look with me in verse number 9. Paul said, I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now, that is a judgment that he's making right here. He says, I'm telling you, do not associate with sexually immoral people. Now, again, remember, y'all have to hang with me here. Okay, so the first point, you might be thinking, man, this is sounding rough here. Hang on for the second point. So here's the first one. Do I have a right to judge? The answer to this question may surprise you a little bit because of the rumors that are out there. Guys, Paul says we have a responsibility to judge. That is contrary to everything I hear today. I'm not just to judge anybody. Paul says you have a responsibility to judge. I say that because he says if there are sexually immoral people around you, Paul says do not associate with them. That is a judgment. He says, do, do not hang out with them. Now, you might say, well, but who am I to judge? Who am I to judge the actions of another? And that's a nice question to ask because if you live by that mantra, then it lets you off the hook and you, you don't ever have to have any kind of, any kind of uncomfortable conversations with anybody. Uh, if you buy into that thought process, also if you say, well, who am I to judge, I mean, you know, we just—it might not be—you know—might not be something I'm going to do, but maybe you, you're going to do it, and that's fine. If you buy into that, then guys, here's the question I have: If we're not able to judge, then what gives us the ability to say if anything is right or if anything is wrong? When we don't judge anything. Can anything be wrong? Or does it just mean that everything is going to be right? Now the question is, do I have a right to judge? Paul says, listen, you're not to, you are not to associate with those who are immoral. He's speaking of judgment here. Now at first glance, it sounds arrogant. At first glance you think, well man, what what you're saying here is you're saying that, that you're right and somebody else is actually wrong that your standards are better than somebody else's standards. Now guys, here's the deal. If if I am basing that my if I'm basing what I think is right and wrong off my own standards, I am being arrogant. But as believers, our standard for judgment, our standard for living is not is not me. It's not you. Well, then what is it? It's God. It's what God says, it's what God decrees is right and wrong. The Bible says we have a responsibility to judge the difference between what is right and wrong according to what he says. You see, God has given us his word in order to open our eyes to the truth and to go down the path of life that he's called for us to travel down. Uh, Paul, whenever he had been arrested, he's speaking before a bunch of leaders, who hold his life in their hands, the fate of his life. And he says, Listen, this is what God says to me. It's what God had told Paul in Acts 26. God told him, He said, I will rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles. And God said, I now send you to them to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and that by faith in me they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified. And then Paul says, therefore, King Agrippa, I'm, I was not being disobedient to the heavenly vision. He said, instead, I preached to those in Damascus, to those in Jerusalem, to those in Judea, and to the Gentiles, why? He said, so that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. What's the deal with judging? The deal with judging is we want to judge in order to shine a light in the world of darkness, to say, this is how God desires for us to travel in life. And I want to show you the way. It's like a flashlight in the midst of darkness. We want people to be on the right course. Let me try to give you an example. I, I read a story about a carpet cleaning company. My wife was in the first service and she does not like me telling the story. But it's a great story because it makes sense to me. Carpet cleaning service, this guy has a business. He uses, a, he uses black light because he wants to show people this is how dirty your house is. And what really shows up well in black light, this is going to sound bad, y'all hang with me, is urine crystals. Yay. This is for pets. And so the guy um, says, all right, I want you to see what kind of damage your pets do in your house. So he turns off the lights now, puts on the black light, and man, those crystals light up like a Christmas tree. He says, they're everywhere. He says it shows up in the carpet, it's on the furniture, it's on the drapes. He says, and it's in everybody's house. This is going to make y'all comfortable. So he says, now, as soon as I turn that light on, he goes, you know what everybody does? He says, everybody begins to, like, scream, turn that light off. We don't care what it costs, get that stuff out of my house. And he said, of course, we're glad to do it. He said, now, the thing that's interesting is before we ever showed him the light, he said, man, they're, they're, living, they're living regular, normal lives, not grossed out at all. You know, they're laying on the couch, opening those drapes up, laying on the carpet where all that stuff is. He said, But once that light is, is shined, he said, it changes everything. Now, guys, here's the deal. You know why we judge? It's to shine the light in the midst of darkness so that we can see that the ways of this world are filthy. God wants us to see the light, not to to condemn us, not to beat us into the ground, but to change the course of our lives that we might live in freedom and in cleanness. Now, are we supposed to judge? I mean, do I have a right to judge? Paul says yes. But here's the, the second question. This is an important question for us. Okay, so I'm supposed to judge. But then here's the question. But who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? Well, look at me in verse number 10. He's talked about sexually he said, "Don't associate with sexually immoral people." He says, "But by no means am I referring to this world's immoral people, or to the greeter or to the greedy and swindlers or to the idolaters. Otherwise you would have to leave the world." He said, "Now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother who is sexually immoral, or greedy, an idolater. A reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. For what is it to me to judge outsiders? Do you not judge those who are inside? Okay, now Paul has told the Corinthian church that so you're supposed to judge. Judge, make discernment about the actions of others. Okay, th- who's he supposed to do that? Who are he supposed to do that with? With other believers. When we talk about judge, we're talking about. And I think another word that, more, that people feel more comfortable with, because when you say judging, you know, it sounds, it sounds harsh, holding accountable. Does that one work for y'all? To hold somebody else accountable. Who are we to hold accountable? We are to hold other Christians accountable. My job is not to hold people accountable for the way they are living who are not followers of God. And that, that makes sense. I mean, why would I expect a person who is not a follower of God to live like a follower of God? Why would I expect someone who lives in Boston right now to dress like we're hopefully going to be dressing in the next two hours when it's supposed to be 70 degrees and they still have snow on the ground in Boston? I mean, would that be crazy if a guy in Boston's walking around? You know, wearing a, you know, wearing a pair of shorts and no shirt, and there's like, you know, what is that, like 95 inches of snow on the ground? You say, well, that's crazy. I don't expect him to live like we're living because we're living in different places. Same idea is true concerning a relationship with God. We are to hold other believers accountable in the way they are living and not people who are outside the faith. That, that is God's job, not mine. Now, when I see believers who are living outside the parameters that God has set up for us, then I am to go to that person and encourage them to get back on the track that God has called them to be on. Because, guys, whenever we see other believers who are living outside of the parameters of God, we are damaging the witness of Christ. And whenever we live like the rest of the world, and my, my first question is, if, if, if following Jesus doesn't change the way I live, why in the world would anybody want to follow Jesus? I mean, why should I, why should I follow Jesus if it doesn't make any difference in my living? And it gives a horrible testimony. So then what's the standard I'm to use for judging? I'm to use the truth. Where do we find the truth? In God's Word. This, this is why we use Scripture to help us make judgments. In 1 in uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture... Is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, if we start rebuking people based on our opinions, guys, then that's where we come across as arrogant. That's where we make huge, big-time mistakes. Now, we all have opinions, and they're different. Okay, now, my opinion is that the greatest singers... Of all time, the great two, great two of my favorite singers of all time are Steve Perry of The Real Journey and Freddie Mercury of Queen. Now, if you don't agree with me, then you are wrong. Okay, now, is that based off of Scripture? Yes. No, that's not based off of Scripture. What's that based off of? That's based on my opinion. Now, we all have different opinions. But the truth is what God says. The standard is what God says. Now, why do we want to judge? Is it to beat people down? No, it's for restoration. It's to get them back on the right path again. Acts 3, 19 says, Therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The goal of judging is restoration. You know, if if I'm sick, I want to get better. But if I want to get better, typically, one of the things I have to do is I have to go to the doctor. Now, if I don't go to the doctor, that sickness is going to persist in my body. But you know what is interesting to me? Is that I want to do whatever I can to avoid going to the doctor. And the reason why is because I'm afraid of what, I I just think, man, the doctor, he's going to prescribe something for me to get me better that's going to make me hurt. That's going to make me uncomfortable. But you know what? The doctor, the doctor's job is, is not to make our lives miserable. What the doctor's trying to do is to move us from ill health to health. You know, that, did you know that's why we are to judge one another as believers? To, if we see somebody who's in ill health spiritually, it's to move them back to health. Now sometimes we want to do it in order to show them that we're better than they are or to get one up on them. Guys, Now, that's not, that's not biblical judging. It's It's for restoration. You know, the Bible says that as believers, we are the body of Christ. And whenever, whenever you know, think about your own body. Whenever something in your own body is not right, you want it to get better because it affects the entire body. Now, if we judge like many of us judge, let's say you sprain your ankle. Now, the way some of us judge is we're going to pull a saw out, you know, a chainsaw, and just cut our leg off. Does that make sense? Absolutely not. What do we want to see happen? We want to restore the ankle because we need it. Now, believers, we want to restore each other. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. All right, so I have some questions about judging. Do I have a right to judge? Paul says you have a responsibility. Who am I to judge? Believers were to hold each other accountable. The final question is this one. Why am I to judge? Verse 13. He says, remember, God judges outsiders. Now, concerning the guy... Back in earlier in chapter 5, that was having an affair with the stepmother, he says, put away the evil person from among yourself. Why are we to judge? Now, the last few verses have answered the question, last couple points. I mean, it's, it's for restoration. But the other part is we want to judge because the church needs to be pure. The church, I mean, another, we, we need to set the example of, for the rest of the world about how christ transforms our lives now the guy that was talked about here he's living in blatant sin but he's not repenting he just continues to live in defiance of god and he's still participating in the things of god he's participating with the church and nobody will say anything to him nobody will rebuke him for the way that he's living now the corinthians were a very gifted church But they were always hanging on to, well, God's a God of grace, so we're forgiven anyway. We don't have to say anything. We're all going to be okay anyway. Paul comes along and says, that is a bunch of baloney. Many times we see in Scripture, when you become a follower of Jesus, one thing you do is you die. It says you die to your old way of life. You don't keep playing with it. You die to it. And then you take on the nature that Jesus gives you. So in other words, if you're messing around with sin, it is totally unnatural as a believer. Now, am I saying that believers, that Christians are perfect? Absolutely not. I guarantee you, every one of us is dealing with some sin in our life right now. We have things that we need to repent of. Now, you might say, well, after looking at this, this, does this mean that the church needs to convene a village church Supreme Court and bring everybody in and we just deal with everybody's sins all the time right in here? I don't believe that's what Paul's talking about. What Paul's talking about, he's talking about blatant, public, unrepentant sin. That's to be judged. We see people who are blatantly living in defiance of God. Because we love each other, we are to approach them, say, brother, you need some help. This is an area where you stepped outside the bounds. Now, if we're going to do that, we have to be willing for people to come to us and do the same thing with us. And we want to do that because you know what we are? We are representatives of Jesus. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 5.20, he said, therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. What does an ambassador do? He speaks for his government. He speaks for his leader. Now, what if the ambassador decides that he's going to come up with his own policy and not, not, speak, for the, not speak for the government anymore? They're going to call him back. They're going to rebuke him. So you can't do that. You speak for your leader. That's what Paul's saying here. See, this guy is supposed to speak for Jesus, but he's living with his stepmother. That does not speak well for Jesus. Therefore, you are to rebuke him. He says you are to put him out. The word put out in verse number uh, what, 13, that, that's where we get the word excommunicate. Okay, again, y'all. this is not like my, the fa- my favorite lesson, and I struggle with this one. So what, what, is, what, is, what is, how do we practically put into practice judging somebody? Well, look at what Paul says. He says, if you don't repent, he says, then we are to excommunicate that person. Okay, so what, you know, we think of typically the Catholic Church, we think of exorcisms and then excommunicate. We think, what does that mean? Paul says it means do not associate with them any longer what does that mean he's like well when you don't hang out with the person who's living in blatant sin um you you make sure that you are not with them that you do not allow them to have leadership and and participation inside the church until they repent and this is tough for me but the reason why is paul saying because you are representing jesus doesn't mean everybody's perfect in the church See, but when you are blatantly defying the things of God, then God's not going to bless. And so, you want to keep the things of God pure. Jesus said in Matthew five fourteen and through sixteen, He said, "You are He's he Christians. You're the light of the world." He said a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. It says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, the rumor is we're not supposed to judge anything. The question I have is, do I have a right to judge? Paul says you have a responsibility. Okay, who am I to judge? Guys, we are to hold each other accountable. Doesn't mean that we're walking around the Billy Club saying that guy right there just messed up, and I am going, I'm going, I'm going to take my pound of flesh. No, what's talking about? It's about restoration. Now, now, why am I to judge? Because we desire to be a to be good representatives of Jesus. Are we perfect, y'all? Let me tell you something. I've talked to enough of y'all in here to know this is not a perfect place. I know in my I know me, and I know that I am imperfect. Guys, let me tell you something. The goal is for us. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. Our goal is whenever we do fall, that we repent. We ask for God's forgiveness, and we move back to the right track again. And that we have other believers who are going to help us along the way. Judging is something that's scriptural for believers. But it's to be done for restoration and not condemnation only god has the right to judge in that manner and i will trust him in his judgments our standard for judging is scripture not opinion but what does god's word say all right so nobody left that's good maybe you'll leave now but my hope is that we'll see it's a rumor that we're not to judge guys. if we can't judge anything then nothing's wrong and everybody's right and that's not what the bible says